Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metalsmithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian, and as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to the dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Hola. Today we're chatting with Jackie Lang, who moved from Texas to Boquete, Panama. It's supposed to be beautiful there, Gil. Boquete is a stunning mountain town located in western Panama in the province of Chiriqui, about 40 miles from the border of Costa Rica. It sits about 3,900 feet above sea level, what makes for a cooler climate than the lower elevations. Its scenic location, temperature, and natural environment make it popular with retirees from all over the world. Accordingly, while the population of Greater Boquete is about 25,000, approximately 5,000 of the residents are expats. Wow. Boquete is known for two of Guild's favorite items, coffee and flowers. <laughs> Some of the best coffee in the world is produced on coffee farms in Boquete, and the town is known as the flower capital of Panama. Thus, it is no wonder that Boquete holds a coffee and flower festival for 10 days each January. Nice. The event brings in thousands of tourists as the festival grounds are beautifully manicured, and it offers up a large variety of local coffee brands. Now let's hear about our guest. Jackie was born in Fort Worth, Texas. Her dad was in the military. The family moved just about every year. She was raised all over the United States, Germany, and Puerto Rico. After she married, Jackie's dad convinced her husband to join the Air Force, so she started moving again. Jackie shares that she hated high school, although she graduated. She cut school almost every day. She read the books, took the exams, scored all A's and but was bored to death in the classroom. Since high school was so boring, she didn't pursue college and is glad that she never took that path. She started working in banking, then as a telephone operator for Southwestern Bell. After her kids were born, she became a stay at home.
stay-at-home mom. With little work experience and being out of the workforce for 12 years raising her family, employment was difficult to attain. After doing much research, she decided to become a real estate investor, not an agent, folks. This would allow her to be home with the kids after school and on vacations. She created several unique methods for making a lot of money fast without buying houses or fixing them up. Hmm. I can't believe that line. (laughs) Many started asking her to teach them how to do creative real estate investing, which led her to running real estate seminars and writing a few books about the field. In 2007, she created a portal to educate people online. Jackie recently retired from that business and turned it over to a good friend. Thereafter, Jackie moved to Panama with her husband, who retired early. Real estate investor friends asked her why Panama? and how to relocate there. So she did a tour for a few friends. Then their friends asked if she'd do a tour for them. Jackie had no plans to move to Panama and to start a tour business, but that's how her third business, Panama Relocation Tours, was born. To date, her company has completed 182 tours and enabled thousands of people to make smooth moves to Panama. She's hired and trained others to do the tours so she can be semi-retired. I'd like to interrupt myself at this point (laughs) to say that we are recording on a very tough weather historic period as we know that Hurricane Ian is going all over the place down south from us. And here we are talking about beautiful beautiful Panama. But I think this episode might convince them to think about moving out. So Jackie loves gardening. She says it's easy to grow anything in the rich volcanic soil in Boquete. Now that the pandemic is slowing down, she enjoys traveling as well. We understand you lived in four countries, visited 26 countries and moved 22 times. Ouch. (laughs) Our listeners would be grateful to know that you spent about two years researching visiting places before deciding on Panama. So tell us all the places you've been to in the world, you could probably move anywhere. Why Panama? So I moved Panama because of a lot of different reasons. Number one, they don't have hurricanes ever. No hurricanes and no tornadoes. Mm -hmm. Um, But my big objective for moving overseas was to find a place that I could live where I would never need an air conditioner or heater again. My body was craving fresh air. So I wanted to live someplace where I could just have my windows open all the time and maybe a ceiling fan on. But um, I found that in the mountains in Boquete, Panama. I don't have an air conditioner, don't have a heater, and I don't need either one. My daytime temperatures are in the 75, 77 degrees during the day. Um, And it rarely gets below 65 Fahrenheit at night. But because the house is closed up. It doesn't even feel cold. So in addition to the amazing weather, it's just spectacular scenery in every direction. Now, looking out my window, I have mountain views and vistas and um, you can have a pine tree right next to a palm tree, which is mm. kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but in it, and they're green. They're both green all year. It never gets gray or brown, you know, where things die off. It's always lush and green. It just feeds your soul to live in such a beautiful place. You know, I'll bet. So let me ask you, you went to all these places, you did all this research, which Jean and I really appreciate. Were there any that came close as a second or as a third place that you consider? So, you know, I visited Costa Rica, I visited Mexico, I visited Uruguay, Argentina, Colombia, Chile, Ecuador. So I visited a lot of different places. Mexico would have been maybe a second choice because it's so close to the United States stage. You could even drive there. And it has places just like Panama does that you can live in the highlands 
States where it's beautiful weather all the time. So Mexico would have probably been my plan B or my second choice. Oh, okay. Good to know. Very good to know. Why Boquete over other cities in uh, Panama, say Coronado? So Coronado is hot. If you're, Panama is very unique that it, because it's so close to the equator, it's nine degrees to the equator. So the temperature is the same all year, whether it's January or July, you have the exact same temperature. And in the coast, it's 90 degrees plus or minus five every day. Coronado is at the coast. Way too hot for me. I would need an air conditioner. And then for every thousand foot increase in elevation, the temperature drops four degrees. So you can literally pick your ideal ideal temperature whenever you move to Panama. If you like temperatures to be in you know 80 to 85, then you should probably live at about 2,500 feet. I like temperatures to be more in the mid 70s. My house in Panama is at 4,600 feet. So it's a little bit higher even than downtown Boquete. I'm not a beach person, don't like hot weather, don't like air conditioners. So that's why not Panama City, not Coronado, not other places. Now, there are other towns in the highlands. Bocan is a great town in the highlands, same elevation. There's also Santa Fe and Avalle. Avalle is at a lower elevation, so it would have been too warm and too humid Mm -hmm. for me. Santa Fe is extremely isolated. You have to drive an hour and a half to buy groceries. So it wasn't into that. Wow. Yeah. And and so me, it's just, you know, there's a grocery store five minutes from my house that has whatever I need. Boquete had all the amenities that I was looking for, the weather I was looking for, the beautiful scenery, and at 40 minutes to an airport that can get me into Panama City. So, you know, Boquete has, it checked all the boxes of everything I was looking for Mm -hmm. um, in a place to move to. Talk to us about the cost of living. We know that you run a relocation tour business, right? And people must ask this question. Yes, probably very affordable compared to where I'm coming from, especially a place like Texas. But talk to us um, about buying or renting. If I were to come down next week, let's say, where would I begin in Boquete or how would I begin? So first of all, during the tours and even, you know, in all of the literature, we really encourage people don't buy anything. We don't sell real estate. We say don't buy anything until you've lived there at least a year. Um, And a year will give you time to get your permanent visa because if you want to live in Panama, you can't just move there. You have to get a visa and I can talk about that later. Mm -hmm. But it also gives you time to just experience a completely different culture and see if it's a good fit. And some people just, if it's like a glove and other people, it's just too different. There is no Walmart down the street. There's no Target down the street. And some people just, you know, there's no Whole Foods and things like that. So some people, it's too big of an adjustment. But you need to give yourself at least a year um, before you do that. Also, Panama has only two seasons. They have a dry season and a rainy season. The dry season starts about the middle of December and lasts until about the middle of April. During that time, we don't get hardly any rain at all. And it's pretty windy. But then starting in April, we get a little bit more rain, especially September, October, November, we get a lot of rain. Boquete gets about 120 inches of rain a year. Wow. A lot. So for some people... 
you know, if they go there in January and they say, oh, look, it's beautiful. There's no rain. It's gorgeous. <laughs> but then they're there in October and it's, you know, pouring down rain at two o'clock and still raining at six o'clock. And they decide, may decide that area is not for them. Mm-hmm. It's quite common for people to move to one area in Panama and decide mm, it's too hot. It's too cold. It's too rainy. So instead mm-hmm. of just packing up and moving back to Canada or moving back to the United States, they pick a different area huh. and Panama. So you might try Boquete for three months, Coronado for three months, Las Tablas for three months and decide what's the right place. So we really encourage don't buy right away. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. to answer your question about prices, there's actually two kinds of properties that are in Panama. Uh, We call them, it's either a Panamanian style house or North American style house. So North American style house is going to be all those things that North Americans are used to. It's going to have, you know, vault and ceilings and granite countertops <laughs> and great big spacious bathrooms and all the things that North Americans are looking for. And those are going to cost a little bit more whether you're buying it or renting it. Mm-hmm. But there's also great deals, fantastic deals if you're willing to go with a Panamanian style house, which would not have the vaulted ceilings. It'll probably just have tile countertops. You're going to get twice as much square feet for half as much money if you go with a Panamanian style house. Mm-hmm. So this is an example. Just to about a month ago, I helped some people get a Panamanian style house. It's a three bedroom, two bath house, all furnished, fenced yard for their dogs. And it's $550 a month. And that includes all utilities. Wow. 1,250 square feet. And it's literally walk to town. Wow. Yeah, you can you don't need a car. You, but if you were to get an equivalent 1,250 square foot house that was more of a North American style, you're looking at 900 to $1,200 a month okay. for something similar. So uh, like it has weather for whatever you want. It has a budget. If you're, if you're on a really strict budget, your social security is not very high. If you're willing to live in a Panamanian style house and you can fix them up to look amazing, then you can really significantly reduce your cost of living. But if you have to have all the creature comforts of North America, you're going to pay for that. So on my property, I have my house and there's two other houses um, that I rent out. And I have a two bedroom, one and a half bath. It's about 1,100 square feet. And it's kind of a mix between a North American style and a Panamanian style. It has the vaulted ceilings, but tiled countertops. Bathrooms are kind of small. It rents for 700. So Now these these are rental prices, right? That you're These are rental quoting? prices. Mm-hmm. Yes. And most all rentals come completely furnished and include all utilities. Okay. So that utilities means that it includes your internet, your electricity, your water, your trash collection. Gardener comes at least once a week to take care of it. So uh, what else what else is there for us to pay as a renter? Well, if you want to have your a housekeeper come and clean your house, it's ah. about thirty dollars a day for them to come. Wow. And and okay. Wi Fi you have to pay for. I guess, right? Oh, no, that's included in the rent. That's included? Yeah, cable TV and internet is included in the rent. Oh, my Lord. That's amazing. Even even the house that was $550, um, the three-bedroom, two-bath, and it has two living areas, internet, Wi-Fi is all included in that, too. You might as well rent, Gil. And and it's cheap. (laughs) You know, if you can get, for example... My house, because I own my house, I have to pay for my utilities. Mm -hmm. So my electric bill is rarely over $20 a month because I don't have an air conditioner and I don't have a heater and I use gas for cooking. I mean, you know, I use my computer and my TV. So 
My last electric bill was $17.55. Wow. I have a fiber optics. So I have 250 megabits of internet speed at my house in Boquete, even though I'm kind of out in the country. Yeah. And so my internet is included with my cable TV and that's $60 a month okay. for 250 megabits of internet speed and cable TV. Let's talk about, let's say we've been there a year or so and we want to purchase. Can you talk a bit about purchasing? Mm-hmm. So I can talk about purchasing. Once again, it's back to that Panamanian style versus the North American style. Okay. So I just did an interview um, two weeks ago with a lady that moved from California and she had at the most, she wanted to spend $150,000 on a house. So she got this amazing three bedroom, two bath house for $107,000, but she hated the kitchen. Okay. So um, it, she knew she was going to have to gut the kitchen and put a brand new kitchen in. So she got all custom cabinets for a whole new kitchen for $5,000 for custom (laughs) cabinets. And then uh, granite countertops and granite backsplash was another $2,700. But then she took that Panamanian style house that she got for 107, just fixed it up a little bit by putting that in. It's a very spacious home. The other thing that's really unique about Panama is if you buy a house and you pay less than 125,000, which is very easy to do when you can get house for 70, 80,000. Mm-hmm. If it's less than 125,000, you'll never have property taxes. Oh. Another big savings. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So that is amazing. You can purchase a home for under a hundred. I, I have to ask, clarify something. You mentioned the North American homes having vaulted ceilings. I mean, we have a home and it's not vaulted ceilings. Can you describe what you mean by that? So, you know, a typical house might have a ceiling, just a flat ceiling that's maybe 10 feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and a vaulted ceiling is going to be maybe 20 feet tall, much higher with a lot more windows oh. to let a lot of natural light in. Okay. So, um, <laughs> in so New that's York. the big difference. <laughs> okay. Most of our homes here are flat. Yeah, we have old homes. Yeah. But I'm just saying, yeah, you know, right. just to make sure that everyone understands. All right. So a Panamanian ho- home for me would be okay because we're kind of living in one now, Gene, <laughs> yes. other than, you know, yeah. all the extra expenses. The so, you know, that's just one example of the one she bought. But, um, you know, I, as a real estate investor, I bought Panamanian style homes that needed to be fixed up. Um, a three bedroom, two bath. It was a couple blocks to the beach for 55,000. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I had to spend about 10,000 to fix it up. There's some really, there's some really good prices there. Wow. You can also spend 200, 300, 500, a million dollars, you know, if you want that. So there's something for everybody, but for people that want to retire and save as much money for retirement and spend less on the house, you can mm-hmm. certainly do that in Panama. Okay. And if somebody wants a gated community, are those usually American style homes? So in the gated communities, there are gated communities throughout the country. Those are more of the North American style homes. Yes. Okay. okay. And okay. say you do, you go for it and you purchase a house and then two years later, you want to sell it. Are they difficult to sell down in Panama? Um, so some areas in Panama houses sell faster than others. For example, the Coronado area, which you mentioned, which is on the beach, there's a lot of high-rise condos in that area, a lot more vacancies, a lot more things for sale. So it takes a little bit longer to sell there. The other thing about Panama is there's no MLS or multiple listing service. So what you're going to sell your house for is kind of a guess, you know, <laughs> and sometimes you guess just right and it sells quickly and sometimes you <laughs> guess too high 
way and it sits on the market too long. And so you just have to adjust. So, you know, there's nothing that's published about you can't get a list of all the homes that have sold. The other thing is it's not like a North American or U.S. neighborhood where all the homes in a neighborhood are pretty much in a range. For example, my house um, is, like I said, it's probably about 1,200 square feet, the house that I live in. There's a doctor, a Panamanian doctor, built a 10,000 square foot house right next to me. Wow. And then on the <laughs> other side of me, there's a little Panamanian style house that's probably 600 square feet. And then across the street from me is a Chinese lady that has huh. probably a 3,000 square foot house. So wow. this is all just the houses right next to each other. So um, that's why it makes it harder to say this is what the price is. You had mentioned uh, taxes a moment ago. So you said, what was the ceiling? 125,000. If it's that, if something less than 125, then you won't have property taxes. But even if you do have property taxes, they're only going to tax you one half of 1% up to $750,000. Then after that, it's like one and a half percent. So even if you have to pay taxes, they're really low. I mean, any home that was built before 2012, it automatically gets a 20 year tax exemptions for the first 20 years. You have no property taxes. And then after that, property taxes would kick in. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's another way. You you know, there's so many ways that you can save money Mm -hmm. in Panama. So when I was looking at all the different countries to move to, you know, the way they tax properties. Um, also, if you get, uh, if you're a retiree and you get a visa there called a pensionado visa, mm-hmm. you get so many discounts. You get 25% off of airfare to anywhere in the world. Wow. Um, even if you're getting a business class, any airline that you want to go to, you get 25% off. Um, I get 25% off my electric bill. Any restaurant you go to, you get 20% off, 20% off at a doctor's office, which is only $20 to see a doctor anyway, <laughs> with no insurance, but you wow. still get 20, 20% off of that. So that's why I picked Panama. It has, you know, there's so many ways you can save money and so many discounts available to you once you live there. You know, going to a movie theater, you get half price. Wow. That discount, <laughs> I can't stop saying that that's, word. That's the one where the woman has to be 55 or no, not with a pensionado visa. With a pensionado visa, all you have to do is meet the income requirements and regardless of your age, because you could be a trust fund baby that's 25 years old. Ah, that's mm-hmm. If you get at least $1,000 a month in lifetime income, by the way, Panama uses the US dollar, which was mm-hmm. another big plus. So with a pensionado visa, there's not the age restrictions. But if you get one of the other visas that they have, like a friendly nation visa, then women have to be 55 and men have to be 60. The reality is if you go in a restaurant and you sit down or you go to a pharmacy and if you have a little bit of gray hair or if you have no hair, they just give it to you. They're not going to ask you. They're not even going to ask you, are you a senior citizen? They're just going to be too embarrassing. They're just going to give you the discount. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I want to go back to housing for a minute. We had on episode 40, a woman named Diane Maxwell, a nice woman, and she moved down to, pa- she loved Panama and she moved to Coronado and she purchased a house pre-built. She gave a down payment. They built the house. She moved in, but then she had to move out because they never gave her titles. It, it was these two Canadians. It was a scam. Um, mm-hmm. She took she took them to court. She won, but she could never get the government officials, the police to um, enforce it. How common is that in Panama? If someone goes down to Panama and they rush right into buying real estate, it can certainly happen. Wow. Another good reason to wait for a year 
Right. To know who are the good people to work with, who are the bad people to work with. Time to ask around, what do you know about these people? <laughs> and she would have already known if she right. would have done things the right way. But if you rush down there to buy property, then that can certainly happen. Also in Panama, there's two categories of real estate. There is titled real estate. My house is titled real estate, but there's also a lot of property in Panama. It is not titled. It's called ROP or right of possession. And that's something you need to find out before you buy a house. Is it titled or not? So she probably didn't ask the right questions before she bought um, so one way to find out is to ask is the owner, may I have the Finca number so I can do a title search on the property. Finca, F-I-N-C-A or farm number. Every title property has a Finca number. And if they say, well, it doesn't have a Finca number, mm. clue number one, it's not titled. Mm-hmm. And then you would have already known that. So people that rush down there and they think, oh, this is paradise. It looks so beautiful. I have to buy a house. But because if you're coming from Austin, Texas down there, you think the prices are so cheap. You know, maybe they're paying way too much also because mm-hmm. they don't know what they don't know. That's when we really encourage people don't rush into buying. Yeah. And yeah. it's helpful. Helpful to meet someone like you who's got all the ins and outs. Let me ask you, I want to go back now since you raised the issue of visas. Is it easy, difficult, or can you talk about the visa process? Yeah, so the visa process, so the most common visa that people are getting, especially retirees, is the pensionado visa. And the process is quite simple. Um, there are certain documents that you have to gather in your country. Panama does require that there's a national criminal report, like an FBI report. It needs to be clean. If it's not clean, I'll tell you later that there's certain things you can do that you can still get a visa. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to get that. You need to get proof of your income. So, and that needs to be in the form of social security, pension from a job, military retirement. They don't accept rental income. They don't accept income, you know, money that you might have in a 401k that's paying you every month. They don't accept that. Huh. So it has to be social security, pension from a job or military retirement. And then Um, If it's a couple that's applying together, they'll want a certified copy of your marriage certificate. And then once you gather up all your documents, you can send it to the Panamanian consulate in Florida or wherever you live, and it'll be authenticated. And then you come down to Panama to apply for a visa. We have a lot of attorneys that we work with that I've negotiated a discount for all of our clients that they get a really good price. So it's about $1,500 for a couple to get a pensionado visa. The process will take about two days, maybe three days for you to get a temporary visa. And the temporary visa is good for six months. During that six months, it gives immigration time to check all the documents a little bit closer and make sure that everything is correct. And then uh, usually within three months, you'll get your permanent visa. Your permanent visa is good forever. It's an indefinite visa. Uh, And there's no requirement to live in Panama. So some people get a visa just as a plan B. You know, what if it goes crazy where I am? Where am I going to go? So they have another visa. So there's no requirement to live there. You just have to come back at least one day every two years to wow. keep your visa active. It's so it doesn't beautiful. cost very much. It's also important to know that once you get your visa, you're no longer allowed to drive on your foreign license in Panama. So you have to get a Panama driver's license, uh, which is okay. a simple process and costs $36. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're under 70, it's good for four years from 70 
And over, you have to renew it every two years. <laughs> that makes sense. And you might have said this, but how much do you need to make from Social Security or whatever uh, for a single person and for a so, married couple? So the requirement to get a pension auto visa is $1,000 per month in lifetime income, like Social Security. Uh, for your spouse or any dependents, like children that you might have, or if you're the guardian of your grandchildren, you add another $250. So for a couple, you only need to make $1,200. $150 a month in lifetime income to qualify for the visa. Thank you. That's what they call lifetime income. All right. You had mentioned that if you're not, let's say you're not receiving Social Security yet, you're waiting for your pension to kick in. Mm -hmm. There is no other form of quote unquote lifetime income. Yes. Yes, there are. There are. They don't accept any other form of income to qualify for the pensionado visa. Oh, for the pensionado. Got it. Mm -hmm. They have several other visa programs that are available. So mm -hmm. one of the visa programs is called the Friendly Nations Visa, ah. which they just changed the rules for that August of last year. It was much better the old mm -hmm. way, but the new way you can either buy real estate worth 200,000, which I would not advise to Russian <laughs> buying real estate, yeah. or you can deposit $200,000 into a Panama bank, into a three-year CD that earns 3.5% minimum, or you can get a job in Panama. That doesn't sound very appealing at all. <laughs> or you can set up a corporation in Panama, and then the corporation will hire you, like, for example, to do the business that you're doing. Hmm. And so, and to, to do the whole corporation and everything for that visa is about $5,000. So it costs more to get that visa. You should also know that foreigners are not allowed to work in Panama, um, selling any products or services unless they have a work permit. And with a pensionado visa, you cannot get a work permit, but with other visas like the Friendly Nation visa, business visa, some of the other visas, you can get a work permit. So that's interesting, Jean. We should consider that, you know, bring our service down. We're not <laughs> selling a good or anything. And we could probably do that because that 200000 I think a lot of people may not be able to plunk that down. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm, that's a mm -hmm. lot of money to put down. And, yeah. you know, some people, if they have money in a 401k and it's self-directed, then they can just write a letter of direction to move the money into, into CD and mm -hmm. Panama, so they can do it that way. But when you're new to a country, you don't want to put $200,000 necessarily <laughs> at a bank in Panama. You don't know the country. Yeah. You know, know if you're going to like it or not. Um, I just tell everybody, take it slow. Yeah. You don't need to rush into buying a house. Don't move $200,000 into a bank account. Just take it slow and make sure you like it before you go all in. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you've never lived overseas before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've really lived in many stumbling. other countries before, it might not be a big deal. Might. But if you've never lived overseas before, it's going to be a cultural change for sure. Now, do you speak Spanish? Is there any kind of, in terms of getting around, is it easier if you speak Spanish or is there such a large tourist population that most people speak Spanish? English. Um, English. So, English. Yeah. So in, uh, in certain areas, like in Boquete, where there's a high concentration of expats or in uh, Coronado, where there's a high concentration of expats, you don't need to learn Spanish. Of course, if, the more you learn, 
you know, even if it's just being pleasant, you know, saying thank you, gracias, or por favor, or I mean, you always have to ask for your check. They won't bring you a check at a restaurant until you ask for it. So you need to say, la quinta, por favor, uh, my check, please, because you can sit there for two hours. And they'll keep bringing you wine or margaritas, but they won't bring you a check until you ask for it. I love it. So, you know, you need to learn a couple of little phrases. And many Panamanians speak English. They start teaching it in kindergarten there. Right. But the more Spanish that you learn, the better. But you can certainly get by without learning Spanish mm-hmm. if you live in an area that has a high concentration of expats. Gotcha. We understand that you've given over 180 tours at this point. And by the way, congratulations. Yes. Um, that's very exciting. Where are your folks coming from? Are they primarily the United States or... So it's changed over the years. It's changed. Um, when we first started doing the tours, I would say 95% of our clients were from the United States. And uh, maybe we had 3% were from Canada and, you know, 2% from Europe. But it's changed a little bit over the years. So now we're getting um, a lot more Canadians, probably 10 of our 10 to 15% of our clients are Canadians. And we're getting a lot more people from Europe as well. Uh, we just got uh, someone yesterday signed Signed up. He lives in Poland. Yeah. So we get Poland and we get Germany and France and Spain. Interesting. But I also have people from Abu Dhabi and Dubai and Australia and New Zealand. Wow. Uh, we don't hardly ever get anybody in South America. Um, none of the South American countries, unless it's an expat that have moved to Colombia and they decided they didn't like it, then they're looking for their plan B. It's still mostly the United States, but it's a higher percentage of Canadians now. Mm, they're and, not going to miss the cold, I guess. <laughs> so, so say we sign up for your tour. I know it's a week long. What do you get for that on that week long tour? So the, what you get for the week long tour is we have a driver that picks you up at the airport and takes you to a hotel where we pay for a room for you for the first night. And then our tour starts in Panama City and we go across country and visiting all the different places that are most popular for people to move to. And we make sure that when we get to that town for lunch and dinner, we always invite people that live there. So you can talk to people, locals uh, that live there to see, you know, why did you pick this area? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Also, because we're traveling across country, it's an eight hour drive just to get from Panama City to Boquete, but we make stops along the way. Mm -hmm. So all the time that we're traveling from one location to another, it's like a rolling seminar. So we're teaching you how to get your dog to Panama, how to buy a car here, you know, you know, how, you know, these are your choices for health insurance. You can get international health insurance or local health insurance, or you can use the public hospital, which has no monthly fee. $2 to see a doctor, $5 for a specialist at the public hospital. So, and tips on important questions to ask before you rent a house in Panama, important things to find out before you buy a house in Panama. Like, does it even have a title? (laughs) Because some places don't. So it's a a rolling seminar the whole time. Besides us visiting each one of the different places, we also make sure to show you rental properties because we don't sell real estate. So we show rental properties properties in each area. And so you're in Coronado, you might see um, a beautiful condo overlooking the Pacific Ocean that's $1,500 a month. And then the next day, we might show you a two-bedroom house right on the ocean that's furnished for $600 a month. Mm -hmm. It's just outside of Las Tablas. So we like to show you the variety, Mm -hmm. um, but there's something for every single budget. All right. Before we move on, let me just say that Panama relocation tours, if you want to find that. Yeah, which will include 
include in our show notes. But wait, before we move on, so you mentioned that you're going through these various areas. Where is the nearest airport to Boquete? So the nearest airport to Boquete is in a town called David. It looks like David, but it's Ah, David. David. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's about 40 minutes south. It's called an international airport, but right now they only have flights to Panama City or Panama City. <laughs> um, they used to have flights that would go to Colombia and flights that would go to Costa Rica, but they, with the whole pandemic thing, they haven't yeah. started up those other international flights. So mm-hmm. right now, if I want to fly anywhere, I will go down to the airport in David. It's a 40 minute flight to get okay. to my city. And I just change gates and go to whatever country I'm going to go to. Okay. So pre-COVID, if you wanted to go back to Texas, what would that flight pattern look like? I would. So if I wanted to go back to Texas to visit my kids that live mm-hmm. in Austin, um, I would still have to go to David, mm-hmm. get on a plane to go to Panama City, change terminals, and then uh, fly to Texas. And okay. then you have to do the same thing coming back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are those flights costly? I haven't checked. Remember, I get 25% off ah. of all airfare. Um, so that helps a lot. So, yeah. um, you know, it, and it depends if you're flying business class or if you're flying an economy. You know, that's usually about $400 round trip, $500 round trip. So it's that's not nice. very much. Yeah. yeah and I, there's little wet. Um, I work with a travel agent whenever there's some super duper deal going to Austin, Texas, where my kids are. She says, hey, Jackie, there's a hot deal for us and you want to go see your kids so she monitors that for me so i don't have to that's that's great so your kids are all in texas all in austin rather so when you go back you can just go to one locale i also wanted to ask you now do you bank still in america or do you i have a bank account only one bank account in the united states but i do most of my banking in panama because Mm -hmm. with a panama bank account then i can set up online bill pay just like you do and by the way some banks have online banking in english and spanish so Um, that makes it really convenient. When it comes to financial stuff, you don't want to have to put it through Google Translate. Yeah. You wanted to click on it and it says English and it's all in English. But I can set up automatic bill pay for uh, my water bill is $100 a year. That's all I have wow. to pay for water. My automatic payments for my cell phone, which is $35 a month for unlimited calling. And my cell phone works in any country um, with no additional fee. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just set up online bill pay. Okay. And what is required to open a bank account? I understand in some places it's a catch-22, right? To start a visa, you need a bank account, but you can't until you have a visa. Yeah. Every bank has different rules. Um, One of the easiest banks to open up an account with is Banismo Bank. So it's Banismo B-A-N-I-S-T-M-O.com. Okay. Um, and there it's $50 to open up an account. Um, you don't have to show that you have a visa or a lease. Oh. Um, they wow. are going to want to see your last two years of tax returns to show that you've paid your taxes. Oh. I think it has to do with the whole FATCA thing of mm. people living overseas. They don't mm-hmm. want someone moving overseas that hasn't paid their taxes. So that's and so it, reasonable. It takes about two hours to open up a bank account there because... <laughs> You know, you have to sign so much paperwork, you fill it all out, and has to go to the manager for approval. So just plan on being there for two hours. Okay. But it's good to know you can have 
have all your taxes on a flash drive and just show up. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's move on to healthcare. You've talked a little about that, but in general, how do you think, how's the healthcare there? I know in some places it's tough to get a doctor these days, especially a primary doctor. How is it in Boquete? So in Boquete and in Panama in general, it's so easy to see a doctor. You don't need an appointment ever, just a regular general doctor. You just walk in, you rarely have to wait more than five minutes. Um, it's $20 to see a doctor, but if you're a senior citizen, you get 20% off of that. <laughs> Every doctor I've been to speaks perfect English. They'll take as much time with you as necessary. They'll explain anything that they're going to prescribe to you. They'll explain the pros and the cons and the good and the bad and everything about it. They'll pull it up on the internet and show you what this drug is all about. So that's just for general doctors. If you need to see a specialist, then you're going to need an appointment for that usually. The crazy thing is in Panama that most doctors publish their cell phone number and everybody in Panama uses WhatsApp. So to make Make an appointment with a specialist, you send them a WhatsApp. You, you don't know, go through their assistant or anything? You go uh, directly no, to no, them? You, you never see their assistant. You never see a physician's assistant. You're going to always see the doctor. So if you send, uh, like, for example, I got COVID last year and my COVID doctor wanted me to see a cardiologist mm-hmm. just to make sure everything was okay with my heart and my lungs and everything else. So I sent a WhatsApp at 10 o'clock. He said, can you come in at two? Wow. Um, same day, the same day. <laughs> and it's $40 to go to specialists. And that's not using insurance. I do have insurance and I could whip out my insurance card, but for such little prices, yeah. I'm not going to have them fill out a bunch of paperwork yeah. for yeah. you know $15 or $40. I just pay out of pocket. So I was in the hospital yet last year for nine, nine days with COVID and I got really excellent. Of course, I'm still alive, so <laughs> you look great. Work, but I got excellent care from the doctor. He explained everything that they were doing. He said, don't you worry. You're going to be just fine. And explain what the medicines were that they were putting in my IV. Um, there were three nurses assigned to me. So I always had someone uh, that was checking on me. You, know, you can't get any sleep in the hospital because mm-hmm. they're checking your blood pressure or checking something all yeah. the time. It was really excellent care. Now, they do have two types of hospitals in Panama also. They have public hospitals and private hospitals. So you can go to a public hospital, which has no monthly fee. And there it's $2 to see a doctor or $5 for a specialist. And if you're admitted, it's like $10 a day if you're admitted to the hospital. Okay. Um, or you can go to the private hospitals where it's going to be much more. So what's the difference between if you have private health insurance or use the public health care system or you pay out of pocket? Can you tell us how that varies? Yeah. So a lot of, you know, if you go to the public hospitals, your wait may be a little bit longer to see a doctor and your care may be a little bit longer unless it's an emergency. For example, my neighbor had a heart attack and had to have a stent and he had it didn't have insurance. So he went to the public hospital. His total cost with 10 days in the hospital was $895 out of pocket. Wow. If he would have had the same thing done at the private hospitals, it would have been more like $30,000 to have it okay. done there. You can get health insurance. It's just for Panama. One of the most popular insurance plans is called Family Medical Plan. And it's if you're between 60 and 69 years old, it's $102 a month. Now, it doesn't cover 100%. It covers 80% of what, unless you're, uh, go to the emergency room, it covers 100%. If you're hospitalized, it covers 100%. But if it's other things, it's only going to cover 80%. So you'd have to pay the 20%. But still, it's only $102 a month. Yeah. 
that's great. Um, yeah. So it's a really good price. Mm-hmm. So that's the insurance that a lot of people go to. The problem with that insurance, they won't write a new policy if you're over 74. Up to age 74, they'll write a new policy. And of course, once you have the insurance, as long as you keep making the premium payments, they'll cover you till you're 105 mm-hmm. or 110. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have you need to get it before you're 74. They won't write a new policy. So a lot of people get that instead of international health insurance. So that's just that's only for Panama. Right. I got international health insurance because I like to travel. Now that the pandemic is slowing down, you know you can always get travel insurance. But half the time I get to the location, and say darn, I forgot to get that travel insurance. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so I have um, it's called worldwide medical insurance through United Healthcare, and it covers me in Panama 100% for anything in Mexico, in the United States, in Europe, Mm -hmm. in Ecuador, in Colombia, anywhere I want to go. It covers me. Now, it's quite a bit more expensive. I'm 68 years old and my cost is $3,800 a year for that. But when you look at the price for health insurance in the United States, it's a bargain. Yeah. (laughs) Why you're 68? I got to move to Panama. (laughs) I have a question about what you mentioned earlier, that whenever you need a doctor, you just walk in and you don't have much of a wait. If I wanted someone to see on a regular basis, is there such a thing as, you know, having a regular primary care? Yeah. Yeah. And I have that. You just walk in. And you know what their hours are. You can also send a WhatsApp to them because every doctor will give you their cell phone and they'll even put it in your in your phone for you so that you have it. So the way you make appointments or, you know, I can even like I can send a WhatsApp to my doctor and I can say, you know, that medicine that I'm taking kind of makes me dizzy. Is that normal? Or, you know, should I reduce the dose? Um, I don't even have to go in and they'll just either prescribe something different or tell me cut it in half or something like that that. So you don't even need an appointment thing, but it's very personal. Also, because you get that relationship with your doctor, I can be rolling a shopping cart down the aisle of the grocery store and see my doctor. Oh, Jackie, (laughs) how are you doing? Or, you know, even in David, if I run to them in the mall or something, oh, Jackie, how are you doing? You know, (laughs) that sinus infection you had nine months ago, everything okay with that? Wow. Yeah. So it's very, very personal. And 15 bucks to see the doctor. Now, you should also know that's a good thing about medications. Most medications, you do not need a prescription for it to fill it. You can just go to any pharmacy. The exception are any narcotics like opiates, which they're very, you know, they'll give you like five of those if you need them because they don't want you to sell them or overdose on them. But also antibiotics, you have to have a doctor's prescription for an antibiotic. But high blood pressure medicine, high cholesterol medicine, you can Mm -hmm. just ask the pharmacy, you know, show them what you're taking and they'll just refill it for you. Mm-hmm. And remember you get 20% off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's so good to hear that there isn't a shortage of physicians because here in New York, we've tried recently to get some specialists and it was it was horrible. It was really hard. What about specialists? Have you ever felt the need to or your friends seek out a specialist? And was that difficult? um, I've had to see two different specialists. One is an ophthalmologist. Mm. Um, About two years before I moved from Texas, I tripped on a blanket and I fell down the stairs in my house Mm. in Dallas and I detached the retina 
holes in both of my eyes and damaged both of my eyeballs. And I had to have emergency surgery called macular hole surgery in Dallas, where they insert gas bubbles inside your eyes. So everything is just black. It's like, oh my God. So your eyeball can grow back together again. Wow. So one of the side effects of that is sometimes people get a cataract Uh after having that surgery. So I got a cataract in this eye. So I had cataract surgery in Texas. But when I moved to Panama, probably within six months of moving to Panama, and this side seemed like there was a sheer curtain over Mm. my eye, the Mm. three sheer curtains, and it was getting harder and harder to see out of this eye. So I asked everybody, who's the best ophthalmologist to go to? So I went and saw him. It was $40 for my visit with no insurance. It was absolutely the most thorough eye exam. And I sent him a message one day and he said, can you come in tomorrow? So that's how fast you get it. And so he took care of that. Well, he he said he did a really, really thorough eye exam and he said it was just a secondary cataract here and he could fix it that day with laser surgery. And it was $150 for the laser surgery on this eye. But when he did the exam, he said, I have a lot of scar tissue on this eye because of my accident and I needed to have my lens replaced in this eye. But we waited a month after fixing this eye, then he fixed this eye. I needed my insurance card for them. It was $1,200, but I gave him my insurance card and he filed for insurance. That's amazing. So So your vision's now perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see 2020 now. Oh, oh, I don't have glasses, no contacts. Um, He fixed me up. Okay. And and he gave me my cell, you know, gave me a cell phone. That's so good. I want to move tomorrow, Jean. And then (laughs) after I got COVID, my COVID specialist wanted me to see a cardiologist and a pulmonary doctor uh, for lungs and heart, because a lot of times that's damaged. So I saw a pulmonary doctor and a cardiologist. Once again, you you know, what's her cell phone? Send them a WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. They say, can you come in tomorrow afternoon? And I said, well, you know, how about the next day? So (laughs) it's usually 24, 48 hours at the most to see a cardiologist. That's great. All right, let's move on. You live in a small town up in the up in the hills. Is shopping a problem? So shopping is definitely different. There's not the big box stores mm-hmm. like you're used to. We do have in David, there's a, something called Price Mart, which is the same as a Costco. So if you want to drive down there, you have it. But just the grocery stores, and we have four different grocery stores within 10 minute drive of my house. Mm. Everything I need is there. Okay. Now you're not going to have 200 different kinds of cereal. You <laughs> might only have 20 different kinds of cereal. <laughs> Even that's so too you're much not, now. and you don't need all that. So you yeah. learn when you live in Panama, you don't need that kind of selection. So everything I need, you know, we have a lot of pharmacies for any pharmaceuticals that you need. We have an amazing wine store called Felipe Mato that has wine from all over the world at really, really good prices. Uh, but there's also um, we have 72 restaurants in our little wow. town, in and we have 72. Wow! And we even have a summer owned by celebrity chefs from other countries that have opened up amazing restaurants. Restaurants. Mm-hmm. And usually on especially Friday and Saturday night, you'll have live music at multiple venues. So there's always things that are going on. What about activities? Well, I have a lot of hobbies and I'm sure you have other interests. What's available if someone's interested in taking a course of some sort in the arts field? So, well, you know, there's yoga. A lot of people mm-hmm. like yoga, Pilates right. and those kind of things. Available. Amazing massage therapists are available there. Mm-hmm. Um, live music for people that want to do that. And if Line dancing. They have sometimes they have country and western 
music and line dancing, but it's usually more uh, blues and jazz or rock and roll kind of music and sometimes Latin salsa type of music. So they have Mm -hmm. dance lessons. Um, They have a lot of really amazing artists that have art classes uh, teaching you to paint, to draw, to sketch. We have a huge library, a three-story library. We have um, authors that come in from all over the place that do book readings and talk about their books or art shows. Cool. We just had a class on medicinal plants because there's so many medicinal plants there and how do you identify it and what do you do with it, you know, once you get it so that what does it treat? So just unique things like that. Mm-hmm. And hiking must be big there, I assume. Uh, there's a lot of hiking groups. There's multiple hiking groups. You can go on a hike on your own or you can go with a group. There's a one trail that's real popular. You don't really need a guide. It's called a pipeline trail, kind of a pipeline that you're walking next to. But at the end of it, there's three beautiful waterfalls that you get to see. And yeah, because we're in coffee country, um, everybody grows coffee there. You can go on a coffee tour and see how coffee is made, (laughs) especially December and January is the primary harvest time. So that's when you can actually see them doing the harvest. And then it's a whole process. I have coffee plants on my property too. So it's quite a process. Wow! Wow. You would appreciate that cup of coffee even more if you knew all that went into it. Yeah, yeah. So in your town, and I understand you live on a coffee farm, right? Mm-hmm. Can you walk to nearby coffee houses or or do you have to drive? Um, there's no coffee houses that are cl- I'm 10 minutes outside of town uh, and mm. kind of in the country. So okay. there's nothing. Okay. But, you know, less than 10 minutes I can be at. Um, we have something called Katoa, which is kind of like a Starbucks mm. where you can get a latte or a cappuccino or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's all local coffee. So it's oh, really, really good. That is uh, but nice. there's other uh, little restaurants that serve all kinds of coffee too. And is it is it more expensive to have a to buy, purchase a car there than it is, is in the states? So you know, I haven't bought a car in the states since before 2010, <laughs> so I don't know what it costs there. Yeah. Um, and I'm on my fourth car since I've moved to Panama. Wow! Wow! Um, when I first moved there, and and you can just go to a used car lot or a new car lot and buy a car that way. But a lot of people, if they don't speak the language and they don't really know the cars, um, it's better to use, and we recommend using a car broker. So that's someone that really knows cars really well. Kind of like mm-hmm. an insurance broker. You say, you know, I want small SUV, automatic transmission, diesel fuel or regular fuel, and I don't want to spend more than $10,000. So they go out and find what's available and they'll bring it to a place and say, you know, here's the three, a test drive. So they'll find it for you and then they take care of all the paperwork to transfer it for you. So the first car I bought was a Kia Sportage and I paid $7,500 for that. It only had 20,000 miles. So really nice. low miles. But last car that I bought was a 2020 Hyundai Santa Fe, but it's, you know, bigger car, nicer car. And I spent $20,000 for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing is insurance. Car insurance is really cheap. So to get full coverage on my $20,000 car, 600 a year. Wow. That's nice. That's yeah. That's really good. Okay. And my house insurance, by the way, is 200 a year. What? Oh my goodness. What does for that cover? Insurance. Does that cover like theft and, and uh... contents? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, if it burns down, covers everything. <laughs> Fire insurance as well is included. Huh? All included. 200 a year. That's amazing. You talk about fire. The, the volcano, the volcano is nothing to worry about. It hasn't, hasn't erupted in, in years, I assume, right? Like 500 years. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then we have, uh, there's actually online, there's a 27 page report by the National Geological Society that says that they there's absolutely no activity. They come every four years and do all kinds of tests. And we have some volcano 
experts that live in our town that do talks every once in a while. Every wow. Tuesday, there's some talk about something that you mm-hmm. can participate in. Another entertaining thing to do. But no, it's I can see it from my backyard. So I'm not wow. worried about it. Yeah, <laughs> There's no poof of smoke that comes out of it. Um, yeah. You can hike up to the top of it if you want to. And from the top of the Volcan Baru, you can see both the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. You know, Jackie, I have to tell you, we, you know, we get a lot of audience members who contact us and ask for information about European cities. So Portugal has been really popular as well mm-hmm. as Spain. But I think word hasn't gotten out as far about Panama. But one question does repeatedly pop up for women who are single. Big question is safety. Now, I read in your Travel Awaits article, which we will include in our show notes, that you listed four reasons for why Panama may not be for you. And I was fascinated by the first one, particularly regarding if you have a felony, even if it's from 30 or 40 years ago, you will not qualify for a visa. That's a smart way to keep them out of the country. If you have even a DUI or other misdemeanor or even a lesser offense, you advise that it's best to consult with a Panamanian attorney before making any plans. So I guess the the question I'm trying to ask is those that are committing the bad crimes either don't exist or there's just very little of it, right? There's very, they're not experts. Yeah. You know, there's certainly areas in Panama where there is, you know, crime. Uh, But like in the area where I live, there was a murder five years ago. One, five years ago. Like, you know, I've been there 13 years. My house has never been broken into. I've never had anything stolen out of my car. Mm. I did have a gardener one time because I have 120 banana plants on my property. And whenever I was gone, um, he cut down a stock of bananas and sold it to somebody on the street. (laughs) My neighbor saw it. You know, he would have asked me, can I have, because I have so many bananas. I always have bananas. He would have said, can I sell some of your bananas? I would have said, sure. But, you know, the the fact that he didn't ask. Yeah, really. In the area where I live, it's just very rare that there's any kind of crime. Okay. You had mentioned David before. What's the distance between you and David? It's about a 40 minute drive. Okay. Okay. I assume that when you need something more than to round you, that's where you go. Okay. So if I need, you know, like they have big malls and big shopping centers and big grocery stores like you're used to, they Mm -hmm. have all that stuff in David. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm perfectly happy with our little grocery stores that we have where I live. But if I needed like Lancome or Clinique products, Mm -hmm. um, there's stores (laughs) like a Dillard's or a Macy's. um, Wow. There's a Dillard's and Macy's. I don't even know if those stores still exist. But (laughs) anyway, they have stores that are similar there called Stevens and Felix that are there. Clothes shopping, I would probably go to David because the select, they have, they sell clothes, but nothing I would want to wear. You need to be 18 and in perfect condition (laughs) (laughs) to buy the clothes in Boquete. They have clothes for all different sizes and all different ages in David. And, And, you know, sometimes you just want to go someplace else. We have an amazing movie theater with movies in English. It's $2 to go to the movie. Wow. Nice. Nice. First run movies, you know, as soon as you're seeing it, we're seeing it in Panama also. Uh Now, in terms of diversity in food and all that, do you find that to be available as well? What's that like? So I can tell you honestly that until a year ago, there was not even a single restaurant that served any kind of Mexican food. And I love Mexican food. 
The closest one was in a town called Volcan, which is an hour away. They had good enchiladas and tacos and things like that. Yeah. But in the town of Boquete, no Mexican food until a year ago. And now we have a place called Tacaholics and another <laughs> they make fresh corn tortillas and mm, fresh guacamole oh, nice. every day. And so really good tacos and, and other kinds of Mexican food. So, you know, we had Italian, we had German, we had we have a Jewish bakery, we have all kinds of things, but we didn't have any Mexican food. Huh. But all the other variety was yeah. stuff in there. Steakhouse, we can get steaks from Argentina or Nicaragua or the United States or Panama. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so that's all of No Mexican. Yeah. That's a shock to me. It must have been opened by an expat, huh? Actually, it wasn't. <laughs> and I think it was because a lot of people would ask on Facebook groups and say, you know, what is, what do you wish the Boquete had that it doesn't have? And everybody would always say Mexican food, Mexican food, Mexican mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. So somebody finally got the hint and opened mm. up a Mexican food restaurant. Wow. Probably doing All the really ingredients well. are there. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. can make your own. All the ingredients are there. It's just there wasn't an actual restaurant to go to. Yeah. What about Asian foods? You didn't mention that. Asian foods are there. We have some really good Asian mark. Not We don't have a good selection of Asian things like oyster sauce and things like that are available in Boquete. But we have two big Asian markets that are in oh, the beach. So they're wow. not that far away. Okay. So all those are available. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you near like Japanese food, sushi and things like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. I got my question in, Gene. All right. I just have to, if you want to go to David or wherever, Chris is driving the highway, how's the infrastructure there? How the road? How are the roads? So the roads, the main roads are very good. You know, mm-hmm. four lane road to go into David. Those are really good. But the auxiliary roads, like the road that comes up to my house, um, it's narrow and sometimes has some potholes in it. But this is what I did. Uh, you know, I'm on a vacation right now. Just before I left on my vacation, I called the mayor of the city, sending a WhatsApp. And I said, I'd like to make a donation because they've got this new beautification program that they're doing to put more flowers around the town square and the gazebo. I said, I'd like to make a donation, but I just don't have time to come in town. Can you come up to my house to get it? So on WhatsApp, you can share your location. So I shared my location. So he had to come up to my house and he had to drive on the road with the potholes. Hey, guess what? the next week. No, That's you so are fun. smart, man. That was great. It was it was sneaky. <laughs> no, that was brilliant. And I can't believe he actually did it, though. You know, yeah, I mean, that's well, when when the whole pandemic thing happened and Panama was shut down for a little while, you know, he was asking for donations from people for, you know, just to help the people that were less fortunate. So I made donations and uh, but he'd say, I'll come to your house and get it or I'll meet you somewhere. You'd come to my office or whatever. That's so amazing. He, he already knew where I live. And okay. his wife, there's an international school that's in Boca and his wife owns the international school. So they've been in my neighborhood. Good for you. Okay. Well, we've covered quite a lot, Jackie. And I have to say, you are one of our most resourceful guests. When Jean and I were pouring over your information, we thought there were so many questions coming out, but you've covered a lot without our asking. I have a quick question about public transportation. Mm-hmm. Is going to the airport, let's say a David, how much is that ride over there? So if I wanted to take the bus to go there instead of me driving my car there, there or getting a driver to take me mm-hmm. is $1.75 to take the bus. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> what? Okay. And that's before my jubilado or pensionado. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. What about a taxi or cab? So a taxi, if you just have a taxi take you, they're going to charge about $35 or mm. you can get an Uber for 20 Oh, so Uber's cheap. I hear you can share a taxi there. Is that common? Or you can share a taxi. Yeah. You can share it. If you just want a taxi and you do that, most okay. people will do an Uber for $20 mm-hmm. um, instead of the bus. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you get a bus driver that actually goes the speed limit. Sometimes you get a bus driver that's just so slow. <laughs> and you don't know if you're going to make your flight or not. Wow. Um, and then they're stopping along the way to pick up other people. So yeah. I would, to go to the airport, you know, if I was just going to go to David and do some shopping, I would take the bus and then yeah. take the bus back. Okay. But to go to okay. the airport to catch a flight, I would be more likely to take a taxi or an Uber. And you're, so you're kind of in a rural area. Wouldn't you have to get to the public transportation or does it yeah. stop by you? Oh, no, they go, it goes right by my house. Wow. Yeah. Well, you knew where to buy a house. Of course you would. <laughs> okay. So tell us, what have we left out, if anything? So I think the most important thing is uh, to reiterate that it's really important for people to not say, okay, I'm going to move Panama. They need to come and see the country first. Mm. Um, you know, they don't have to go on my tour, but they need to come and see it. Um, the other thing is to remember that Panama has a different weather depending on the elevation. Mm. And then um, there are some places where it's 1600 a month and other places where it's 500 a month for an equivalent property. Mm. So you need to really analyze, you know, what kind of weather do you want to live in? What's my budget? Do I want to be around other expats and social activities? And especially if you have any kind of pre-existing health conditions, where's the closest hospital? And yeah. pick the town based on where's the closest hospital. Because there's some amazing places to live in Panama, but it's an hour and a half to the closest hospital. <laughs> um, so with pre-existing conditions, they might not be. So you have to do a little bit of soul searching and make a list of the things that are most important to you and then find a place that fills that need, that checks the boxes. Okay, It's there. It's there. <laughs> you know, if you if you don't like hot weather, don't move to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hot every day. And if you, if, you, uh, if you get cold easily, don't move to the mountains. You need to move to a lower elevation. Yeah, yeah. We, we interviewed a, a guy who we've become friendly with and he retired to Costa Rica with his wife. And they lived at an elevation actually that had these kind of marching ants come through every day. They'd come through and then they'd go out. But I've learned that, like you said, depending on the elevation, can live bug free. Yeah. So where you are in uh, Boquete, how's that situation? With bugs? You, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't have many bugs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, um, you know, in the, That's my in the, last question. So I don't have mosquitoes. I don't have ants in my property. You know, if I were to leave a piece of cake or something sitting out on the counter, it would probably attract some ants. So I don't have bugs. I'm also at a high enough elevation. I don't have snake mm-hmm. on my property. Don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have pets, you do have to worry about in Panama, they have this great big frog called a cane toad. And if your dog bites the cane toad, it could kill it <gasps> real fast wow. if you don't oh. have the antidote for it. So, yeah. okay. and you know, that's another reason that people don't rush into buying anything. You need yeah. to just give it a test drive. Yeah. You know, people can come and spend a week or two in Panama in the area that they've narrowed down that they like the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do private tours of just certain areas. So people mm. I only want to live at the beach. Well, we can do private tours of just the beach. <laughs> or I oh. only want to live in the mountains. We can do a private tour of just the mountains or even the Caribbean side. I want to live on an island on the Caribbean side. Yeah. But whatever it is you want to do, I mean, you need to determine what do you want to do? Because you can't just say, I want to 
want to move to Panama, you know, think <laughs> about what it, what do you want your life to be like when you get there? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this was a great episode. We cannot thank you enough. And You're very welcome. Yeah. And, and we have Panama on our list. Gene and I are dying to travel. I'm, I'm looking at him and he's like, I've got two more years, <laughs> but it'll happen right away. It'll thank happen you. Right away. Thank you. Yeah. All okay. right. So stay well. Thanks. Okay. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well.